you be, please be seated and turn with me to John chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 16 through 21 this morning of John 3, one of the, the best known uh, verses in the Bible, John 3, 16. Uh, we're going to be looking at the, the full paragraph there, verse 16 through 21. Uh, we're, we're finishing, as I said, our, our look at our values as we uh, start a new uh, school term and, and uh, start our second year of ministry uh, and, and worship together as a church. Uh, the next Sunday morning we'll begin uh, a series on, on Genesis. Uh, the first 11 chapters of Genesis we'll look at leading up to Christmas. And it's a, it's a series I'm really looking forward to. What uh, we see in it are, are the foundations of what it means to be, to be human, created in the image of God. Uh, so many fundamental things. Uh, in, in the early chapters of Genesis. But this morning, John 3, uh, beginning in verse 16, and this is God's word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes in the light, comes to the light, so that it might, may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God stands forevermore. One of the things we've heard uh, repeated uh, over the last few days about uh, the late queen has been uh, an, an admiration for her sense of duty, for the way that, that she uh, gave herself over to, to serve the country. Many of us admired her for that. She accepted from an early age that her life was, was not her own, but rather given over to, to this nation that she served. As we think about God's mission this morning and our place in it, I, I think the Queen's example of, of calling and service is a, a good example for us to bear in mind. Because if we're in Christ, then our, our lives are no longer our own but they belong to the king who we serve, Christ Jesus, our risen king. Uh, we started last week, and we're, we're finishing again this morning, uh, a look at our values as a church. These things that, that define who we are that, uh, and, and what we do. We said last Sunday morning that God's word is what defines our practice, not just the things that we teach and preach, but, but everything we do and the, the reason why we do those things. It's because we... We trust God's word. We know that it's been spoken by God. It's how he's revealed himself in our world. And we said last Sunday evening that God has, has called us into to fellowship with one another. That we're, we're called to, to come together as God's people to not only worship him, but to, to care for one another and to encourage one another in the faith. This morning we're, we're looking at our, our third and last value, and that's, that's God's mission. And when we talk about uh, Grace Church being part of God's mission, what do we mean by that? We, we mean that God uh, has called us as his people to be outward looking. 
When we uh, were looking at Matthew's gospel, we heard Jesus say, uh, say of his people and, and describe his people in his church as, as salt and light. As, as a city on a hill that, that can't be hidden. He's saying in that we're not, we're not called to simply uh, gather behind closed doors privately to, to participate uh, in, a, in a deeply personal private faith. That's how many people think about their faith, don't they? Uh, it's, just, it's just this personal thing that, that I do, and it's not really anyone else's business. And in certain contexts, that's, that's correct, but if we believe the truth of God's word and if we believe the incredible things that we've read this morning in John's gospel, then we cannot remain silent about our faith because it's, it's a faith that's worth sharing. And it's a, it's a mission that we're called into, the mission of Christ. And so I want us to see this morning that our calling as, as a church is to be part of this mission, to share the gospel in Hammersmith uh, and throughout London throughout Britain and, and to the ends of the earth. And we, we don't do that alone. Rather, we join with other believers uh, in other churches uh, throughout the world that, that are shining the light of the gospel into dark places. I also want to say we, we don't do this simply to grow our church. We, don't, we, we, want, we want Grace Church to grow, but we want to grow because, because uh, when, when the church of Christ grows, the kingdom of God on earth grows. You know, we, don't, we don't want our church to grow simply because it's, it's exciting to have more people. We don't want it to grow simply because we want more influence or because uh, we need more givers. We want our church to grow so that the glory of God will fill the earth. And he'll fill our little corner of it here in Hammersmith. We desire that because we believe that that is what, what Christ came to do. And we see that this morning in our passage. And so four things for us to see. Uh, from our passage this morning about God's mission and why Grace Church desires and is called to be part of that mission. First of all, we see the heart of the mission. Second, we'll see the method of the mission. Third, the promise of the mission. And then fourth, our place in the mission. So first, let's see the, the heart of the mission. What, is, what does Jesus say is the reason for his coming to die for sins? Well, it's very simply the love of God, isn't it? Let's not miss how profound that is. You, you see, we, we tend to confuse this first point with our, our second point this morning. We think our, our salvation is the result of our, our faith. And faith or belief is, is the, the main thing, uh, the, the critical part of the salvation formula. And it is. It's, an, it's a critical part. But the place where our salvation is forged, the place from which your salvation flows, it's from the heart of God for sinners like you and I. While we were sinners in rebellion against him, God reached into our world and he, he purchased our salvation at the price of his own son. And this is why Martin Luther said that, that this verse is really the gospel in miniature. Because in it we see the, the very heart of the gospel that God loves to save sinners even at the cost of his own son. We see two things in this. First, we, we, we can begin to understand more the depth of our sin, the real cost of having our sin paid for, the fact that it took the, the Son of God shedding his blood, taking the punishment we deserved to bring us into a, a right relationship with a holy God, shows just how serious our sin is. And it shows how holy God is, doesn't it? 
God is so righteous and so holy that even, even the smallest, quote-unquote, of our sins is such an affront to His perfection and His purity and His greatness that He can't stand in the presence of it. He has to banish the sinner from Himself. That's, that's what hell really is. It's the, the separation, a, a, a complete and utter separation from God where He... He hides His face from us. Where we wouldn't experience His presence and His goodness and His holiness. Instead, we face the punishment that our sins deserve, which is true death. God's so righteous, we cannot approach Him in our sin. Even even those, those smallest sins. The sins that we think aren't that big a deal because everyone else is doing them. Those sins that we think uh, aren't great, but, but still aren't as bad as as that person over there that we've seen doing way worse things. We see here just how deep our sin is. It's, it's more than the little sins, isn't it? Because they only appear little when we're comparing ourselves to each other. I may have done X, but it's not as bad as, as that person over, over there that did, that did Y. You know, I'm not as big of a, a liar as, as you know, that politician or we'll say something like, I'm not, as, as, I'm not uh, woke, you know, some socialist that accepts all kinds of lifestyles. Or I'm not some, some right-wing bigot who hates others. You know, we want to compare ourselves to, to others. And we create this own standard in our minds of what righteousness is. And we start to think we might just be good enough. But what Jesus says here is that we have to stop that nonsense that we have to stop it. He's speaking to, to one of the religious leaders of his day, a man named Nicodemus, who, who thought he was pretty righteous. You know, Nicodemus was, was a religious leader, so he, he knew how to, to keep all the, the right laws, the religious laws and the moral laws of his day. He, uh, uh, could he possibly need a savior? But Jesus says, yes, he does. He says, every one of us needs a savior, and God loved us enough to send his own son to be that savior, to, to make our sin right before him, to cover it. See, we can't do anything in ourselves to make our sin right before a holy God. We can't make up for the good works. But we can't make up for it with our good works. And we certainly can't make up for it by being kind. Which actually, if God were kind to us, you know, that's, that's one of the buzzwords today. Just be kind, just be kind to each other. If God had been kind to us, he would have sent Jesus to say nice things to us, wouldn't he? Like, just be yourself. You got this. You're amazing just how you are. Then he'd, in the end, have to condemn us all. Kindness can kill us. And that's why Jesus calls us to boldness and to true love, to share the bold love of God for sinners. The second thing under, under this first point that we see is that Jesus shares this love of God for us. That the, the heart of God for us is the very heart of Christ our Savior. And we see that not simply in the fact that He came, but in the fact that He's, he's saying these words. He's explaining the gospel to, to Nicodemus and, and, and the free nature of, of that gospel. That God loved us enough to take on the debt of our sins. 
Uh, some of you here may know that we've, we've, Jenny and I have been looking at, at purchasing a property. And one of the, the things the, the banks, the lenders, uh, want us to have in order to secure uh, a loan is a, is a guarantor. And a guarantor is, is someone who, uh, if, if we can't pay the debt, if we, if we make a mess of things, then the guarantor's job is to step in and to make the payments that we can't pay. They're on the loan. They're legally responsible for any shortfall. What Jesus tells us here is he's the guarantor of our salvation. We've gotten ourselves over our heads in debt in our, in our sin, and, and Christ has stepped in to make the payments. And the wonder of it is he's not, he's not making the payments grudgingly. And he's not, not just covering it for a bit until, until we can get back on our feet and take it back on ourselves. And he isn't running a tab that he's going to expect us to, to repay later on. That's what God so loved means. He loved us enough to bear the cost of the debt of our sins. What, what Christ calls us to as his people and, and, and as his church, his grace church, is to share this heart of God for sinners, to love those who, who are far off from him. And to call them to faith and repentance in Christ. Our, our mission as a church has to, to begin with a tenderheartedness towards those people whose lives we would prefer to judge as a mess. We have to love those people as, as God loves them. You and I want to compare ourselves to them. We want to say things like, I'm, 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 I'm glad I'm not like that person. You know, my sins are much smaller than theirs. God's probably pleased with me. That's what Nicodemus was doing. That's what the Pharisees of Jesus' day were doing. What Jesus calls us to is, is actually a deep-hearted love for those who are far from him. He calls us to see how deep our own sins are and to see how desperately we need to have those sins paid for and to then go out and, and show that same bold love of Christ to others. The second thing we see this morning is the method of the mission. How are sinners made right with a holy God? By believing in Jesus through faith. That's, that's the method God has given for us to be saved. It's not by letting Jesus inspire us to be like him. It's by looking at Jesus and knowing that in him and in him alone we can come before God as our father. This idea of simple faith, uh, simple, simple belief goes against all of our instincts, doesn't it? It goes against all uh, other religious inclinations. Uh, Khaled Husseini, was a, he, he's an Afghani uh, writer, and he wrote a popular book about a decade ago called The Kite Runner. And it's the, the story of a young man who uh, is haunted by something that happened uh, in his youth to a friend of his uh, when he was little. And it wasn't really his fault, but he felt guilty about it for years and eventually he and his father had to flee Afghanistan during the Russian invasion, and, and they settle in America. And one day this, this young man receives a, a mysterious note that says there's a way to be good again. And, and the whole story is about that way to be good again. And that way to be good again was brutal, and it required sacrifice, and it required pain, and it required suffering. And the redemption that, that was in that story was very much a secular Islamic view 
of redemption, that we can be made right through suffering. We can be made right by, by doing good works and by suffering. And in many ways, that's, that's also a, a view that we see in, in the Roman Catholic Church, which is why this verse is so life-giving to us and also so frustrating. How are we saved? We're saved simply through faith, simply by believing that Jesus has done what he says he's done that he did what we could never possibly hope to do in our own strength, that he has paid for our sins before a holy God. Some of you may say, but that that doesn't really sound like doing anything at all. Yep, that's the whole point. There's no way to be made good again in our own works or in our own strength. It took the strength of God himself to overcome our sin and to make us good and righteous. J.C. Ryle says this, this is is great. Faith in the Lord Jesus is the very key to salvation. He that has it has life, and he that has it not has not life. Nothing whatever beside this faith is necessary to our complete justification. But nothing whatever except this faith will give us an interest in Christ. We may fast and mourn for sin, and do many things that are right, and use religious ordinances, and and give all our goods to feed the poor, and yet remain unpardoned and lose our souls. But if we will only come to Christ as guilty sinners, and believe on Him, our sins shall at once be forgiven, and our iniquity shall be entirely put away. Faith is the only way to be saved. J.C. Rowell says it, more importantly, Jesus says it. It's the only way to lift the guilt we all experience. It's the only way to shed the shame we all feel. We, we have to come to, to Christ in, in utter helplessness and receive His mercy and grace through faith. Have you ever had one of those, those moments where you've, you've done something or perhaps said something to another person that, that you regret because you realize it, it hurt them deeply and you realize that there's nothing you can do to fix that? You know, you can buy them flowers. You could, you could buy them chocolate. You could give them all of, all of your money. You could give up everything you have. But you cannot take back the words that you've said. You can't undo the thing that you've done. The only way to be made right with that person is for them to forgive you. And when they forgive you, they have to absorb the cost of the hurt and the pain that you've caused them. That's what Jesus is talking about here. All those things that we've, that we've done that we can't undo, all those wrongs that we've done, we've, we've actually done them to God. And the only way for us to be made right with him is for, for us to accept him to believe that he has absorbed the cost of the things we've done to him in Christ. See, when we come to Christ by faith, we come because we have nowhere else to go. We can't be religious enough We're sorry enough. We can't do enough charity work. And we can't suffer enough. All we can do is accept the free grace of Jesus and and, and trust in Him. That in Him our sins are remembered no more. And they're counted against us no more. Which is actually the, the promise of salvation. That our sins are remembered and counted against us no more. And that's what we see in our third point this morning the the third thing we see is the promise 
of the mission. The promise of the mission is, is real salvation. Actual salvation. Jesus presents it by contrasting it with judgment. But first notice the, the emphasis in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The world might be saved, that there might be real salvation for those who trust in Christ. That's a, that's a strong statement. And it's in fact the, the thesis statement of, of this paragraph, I think. The clear purpose of Jesus' coming was, was to bring salvation. And many would have a stop there, wouldn't they? Jesus didn't come to condemn me, but to save. He doesn't mind what I do. He's here to save everyone, not, not to judge. And the reason why Jesus is so strong on this fact that he came to save is actually because he understands our true natural state. That we're by nature under the wrath of God. By nature, we're already condemned. We're rebellious by nature, which is why verse 18 uh, in verse 18, he begins to give us three explanations of the natural state of the human heart and how God treats those who do not come but remain in their sinful state. What's he say? He says, if you believe in him, then you're free from condemnation. But those who do not are, are already condemned, verse 18. He says, the lights come into the world, but the people loved darkness more, more than light because their works were evil, verse, verse 19. He says everyone who does wicked things hates the light. Verse 20. Jesus speaks soberly here about the default mode of our hearts. We're born in sin. And because of that, we're, we're already condemned. When Jesus came, he brought something new. He brought actual hope. He brought light. And he brought the promise of salvation. That's the, the, the purpose and the promise of his mission. That you and I can be saved, but we have to come into the light. We have to see ourselves for who we truly are. And we have to confess that and repent of it and turn from it. In one of the, the last scenes of the, the television program Breaking Bad, which again, is all my illustrations are about a decade or more old right now. But uh, it's a program about a man named Walter White who uh, is dying of cancer. Uh, and I'm not sure if he's the protagonist or the antagonist or, or something else, but I, I think he's really something else because he begins the series as this likable secondary school teacher. Uh, and he discovers this, this cancer that's, that's incurable. He's a, and he's a family man. But by the end of the, the series, it's, it's about seven or eight series long, uh, he's turned into a, a violent uh, drug producer and, and distributor. And the whole time he... He's, he's justified uh, this, this slide. It's, a, it's this gradual slide into, into violence. And he's, he's justified it by saying that, that he, he needs to care for his family. He needs to leave something behind for his family to provide for them. But then by the end of the series, he's, he's estranged from his wife and his children. And he, he turns up on her doorstep in one of the last scenes. And he says to her, I, I did it for me. All the things he did, I did it for me. I did it because I liked it. And I did it because I was good at it. But I did it for me. Folks, we can try and, and justify ourselves in so many ways. We can, we can claim that we're, we're doing something out of, 
out of good and pure intentions. But the truth is, we do those things out of selfishness and out of rebellion against God, out of the darkness of our hearts. But the promise of the gospel, the whole purpose of Christ's mission is to call us into the light, to call sinners out of that darkness, those who are already under condemnation, to enter into the light of his his grace and his mercy. And he can promise us that salvation because he's purchased it and paid for it in his own blood. Security that we have in Christ is that he didn't come to condemn us, but to welcome us as his own people by faith in him. Now, the last thing for us to see this morning is, is our place in that mission. That place in the mission of calling sinners to faith in Christ by grace. From calling them from, from death to life. From darkness to light. What's our place in it? Jesus has done it all. Jesus has done it all. So what's our place? As his church, as Grace Church Hammersmith, why do we value God's mission? Well, it's because as a church, our, our calling is, is to share the heart of God for sinners like ourselves. As a church of Christ, we by faith experience the joys of no longer being under condemnation. As a, as a church of Christ, we know the security of being in him. And for all those reasons, we can, we can enter into the mission of Christ with him. Not having to, to bring salvation by having the privilege of, of offering salvation to those who are perishing under judgment. Jesus in verse 21 actually calls us into his light, doesn't he? To do good works. The works that are from him. Those good works are, are a reflection of, of the heart of Christ for sinners who are far from him. Our place in the mission is to be a place where people can hear, experience, and embrace the grace of Christ by faith. We do that not only when we gather for worship uh, on Sunday mornings, but we do that when we, when we hold outreach events, things like First Wednesday or, or the pub chats. We do that in our, our own homes when we welcome friends and, and neighbors and, and share the reason for the hope that we have with them. And we have to grow in this mission together as a church. And I hope we're going to grow in it together in the coming year ahead. We're, we're going to train and equip one another on, on Wednesday evenings. To, to share this faith because we know that as Christ's church Grace Church is called to be a light of the gospel that people in Hammersmith and London and the, the wider world might come to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the, the wonderful thing about this calling to be part of God's mission is that there's, there's no pressure on us it's, it's not about us you know, I don't have to stand up here and, and guilt you into being part of it because Christ is the one who's, who's already called us into it. He's already accomplished our salvation. And so if we're resting and we're trusting in him, then his Holy Spirit can do the heavy lifting, can't it? We just have to be faithful and looking for the opportunities to share our faith and to share this, this profound truth that Jesus spoke into our world so long ago. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray.